Hello and welcome to the Having a Yak podcast. It is March 11th. It is March 11th. Yeah, March 11th. We're back for our second Having a Yak podcast. This is the bi-weekly podcast that will come in between our normal post-to-post uh, hockey podcast. And today we are going to answer more life questions from you guys at home. <laughs> and uh, but first I'll address for our viewers, you will see a larger screen behind us. Uh, I actually got this for free. It doesn't have an HDMI input on it. It only has an SD card slot and a USB uh, slot. So I can't actually use it as a monitor or a TV. I can just plug something in and it'll autoplay slides. So okay. there's only one photo on there. It's a, having, a la- having a Yak logo, but I can't stop it from cycling because of the in- onboard software on the, on the TV. <laughs> so uh, it, it might be a little distracting to you, but there's nothing I can do about it, unfortunately. But all right. uh, Are you prepared for all these questions today? Because there's some serious ones in here. There's some serious life questions in here. Is that right? Some, oh. Like, people want advice. Oh, my God. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not a professional of any kind. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah. So, so any advice I give is completely from someone who knows nothing. There's so many other things, though. Oh, man. You have so much life experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because the first one's a big one. And before I get into it, I'll just say that there was a very positive response to our last having a yak podcast people re- really good. liked it yeah good, so uh, good. that's that's good to know so thank you everyone who mm-hmm. uh who listened to the whole thing last time we, we really appreciate that All and right. uh we're glad that you're back for the second one if you are so <laughs> okay for the first question okay this is this is pretty deep actually do you think age difference matters in a relationship <clears throat> well I think it matters, but it shouldn't be a deal breaker. Okay. Age difference matters because it's something that has to be navigated. Right. But as long as that navigation takes place, then it's all right. I've got a one of my the students in my flying class that I teach, ground school, mm-hmm. he was telling me last week that he's 20 years older than his wife. Really? He was 45 and she was 25 when they got married. And he's, you know, th- that's a long time ago now, and they're still going strong. And how, it's, it worked out great. How old is he now? I say he's in his mid-60s. Oh, really? So it's, so it's... And she'd be in her mid-40s. <clears throat> and probably now is the time when that age difference would maybe show more. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't, see, age is, it's chronological because you have a birth certificate, and you have math, and you can figure out exactly how old you are. Mm-hmm. But it's also mental. Totally. There are people... I know who are 20, but they're old souls. Absolutely. And there are people I know that are 50 that are big kids. So age is what, right? Yeah, it's it's more about the personality and the level of maturity than, than anything. Exactly. So I I would never say age is a deal breaker, but it's, it, it is an elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. So it has to be addressed. There have to be boundaries uh, about what degree the age will become a conversation piece in the relationship and that kind of thing. What do you think is an acceptable age difference? Well, say you were, say you were 40. mm Mm-hmm. How, how much older would you date a woman if you were 40? Hypothetically, if you were single. If I were 40? Yeah. Um, I'd go into the 50s. Probably. Really? Sure. Hmm? Sure. Um, because 50 is the new 40. <laughs> and really, uh, I've seen, e- even now, I'm, a, I'm older than, the, I'm in my late 50s now, mm-hmm. but uh, there are, 
you know, not just, not that it's only appearances, but there are people I know who are in their maybe early 50s who are very young looking, they're very young acting, they're very active, mm-hmm. uh, they're very youthful in, in every way. And uh, I think they would be very attractive to someone who's 40. Interesting. So I, I'd have no problem with that because if you're 40, depending if you're trying to start a family, if that's part of your plan, well, that might interfere yeah, with that. that's true. But if it's just about the other person and living the rest of your life together, women outlive men, mm-hmm. you know, usually. It's because men are stupid. Well, not only that, there's biology too. Uh, women are typically more mature than men at the same age. Yeah. Typically. I'm not saying all the time. Yeah. So a man who marries an older woman, and actually I did that, you know, your mother was older than me. That's true. N- not by decades, but... <laughs> But back then when I was, you know, I was 21, she was 23 and the age difference was probably more, that wasn't maybe obvious to the viewer, but it was culturally obvious to us. Mm -hmm. We weren't in the same class in school. She was a couple of years ahead of me. You know, she was in university when we first started to date and I was still in high school. That was different. That's scandalous. (laughs) Scandalous, scandalous. Yeah. But it, I'm not sure if it works the same in the other direction. And I don't know that that's necessarily fair. But as much as we are making great strides in treating men and women the same when it comes to the law and job opportunities and pay and all those things where it's important, Mm. very important to treat everybody the same, we can't ignore the fact that we're not the same. Mm -hmm. Men and women are different. And women are different in a way that usually makes them better than men. <laughs> yeah. Know, they're, they're, they're saner. They're, they're not as risky taking as, as men are. They're, uh, more stable, uh, and they're, they have much more responsibility, I think, sense of responsibility than men do. Mm-hmm. So in many of the ways where women are different, it's not because they're worse. They're way better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I would have actually thought you would have had the opposite opinion because you're kind of old school and... Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all your views are, are old school, that old school mentality. Well, some, some but definitely are. Some are. Yeah, some are. Um, now, if you said, uh, you know, is it okay for a 50-year-old man to date a 20-year-old woman? And I'd almost say girl, but yeah, I, I don't use girl in a negative sense, just like I'm going over with the boys. Yeah. You know, the boys could all be 60. <laughs> <laughs> so, so girls and boys is not uh, an age-related thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I... Sitting from my age right now, where I am, I would find it difficult to relate to some anyone who was maybe younger than 45, mm-hmm. just culturally. Definitely. I'm not saying I couldn't, you know, find a way to connect with someone who's, who was younger than 45. The, the harder part would be getting someone who's under 45 to want to connect with me. <laughs> that, I, that whole situation makes me very cringy at the moment. Like, I'd, I feel very uncomfortable if I would saw someone in their 50s with someone in their 20s that would i think that would creep me out but i don't know if it would creep me out i certainly want to ask questions in my own mind i wouldn't stop them on the street and say what's going on here no i mean i'm (laughs) to each their own i'm not like hardcore judging them or anything it's just i i would not feel comfortable doing that and a lot of it too is i think the difference is the things that men find attractive in a female are let's say a certain list and a certain hierarchy pardon me the things that women find attractive in a male, and maybe this changes as women change their age, as things mm-hmm. as time passes, but women identify many different types of things that they find attractive than a man would identify. And women are far less visual 
mm-hmm. far more quality oriented. They want intelligent sense of humor. They want a provider, someone who's able to bring the bacon home and that kind of thing too. Mm, bacon. <laughs> I had bacon this morning. It was really good. Men are more visual, more physical, I think at first. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting saying, and I, I don't know if I've said it before, maybe even on this air, but uh, <clears throat> men marry women hoping they'll never change. <laughs> and women marry men, hoping they will change. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, good advice, I think. So I don't know if that really answers the question. But. Yeah, no, people people want love advice from you. Man, even, would they? Even married for 30-some years, that's, you got the secrets. Well, that's, that might be, I don't know if it's love <laughs> advice, it'd be marathon advice. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got the next question here for you. Uh, it's not love-related. It's uh, sports-related, actually. Oh, all right. Favorite sports moment of all time? Oh my goodness! I'm I'm struggling. For me, it's probably 2010, the Golden Goal. That would be up there. It's for just me. so magical. It's so perfect that. Yeah, that that would be up there for me. Mm-hmm. Famous sports moment of Any all time. NASCAR stuff. Well, there's there's a candidate there, mm-hmm. and Richard Petty's last. When? I was in, in ask 1984. It was, had to do with Richard Petty. Yeah. It was July the 4th, 1984, uh, in Daytona. Of course. And Ronald Reagan was president, and he threw the green flag to start Did the he race, really? the ceremonial green flag. And Richard is and was a, a good Republican, so he and Mr. Reagan would probably have been acquainted. Mm-hmm. And it was a perfect way to go out. It was his 200th win. Oh, yeah. And it was on. You know, on the on the track that I think he, as much as anybody, made famous. Oh, absolutely. And he... Well, he used to race in Daytona before there was even a track there. Oh, yeah. He used, used to race to, on the beach. Exactly, yeah. So he, that's and, his jam. And his dad, I think Lee Petty, was the first ever winner mm. of the Daytona 500, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Quite a generation of racers there. It's a oh. shame that Adam Petty passed away. Terrible, just terrible. It, it was a... I, I like, as you know, I like connections. I like linkages mm-hmm. between generations on hockey teams and in other ways too. And you know, Lee Petty was was an exemplary racer. Richard Petty was the best ever. Kyle Petty had some success. Had his moments, yeah. And, and Kyle Petty raced when things were a lot more competitive, and, and there was a lot less uh, ability for someone to run away with things. Mm. A lot more tech. Uh, a lot less. Yeah. Uh, Lots of parody. Finesse. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the in the garage yeah, exactly. area. Exactly. And then Adam, uh, he was killed in what's just a practice. It was in New Hampshire. Yeah, it was, he was all by himself on a track. Yeah, think. yeah. It's something broke, and uh, he, he hit the wall. And mm-hmm. I think Kyle was there at the time. Oh, terrible thing. And uh, it, it, it's the end of a, of a dynasty. Because mm. I think Adam would, would have been a really good racer, too. Yeah, well, he had lots of potential. <clears throat> yeah. Certainly. So I guess that would be my favorite sports moment because of all of the the planets lining up at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, <coughs> it was still Reagan's first term at that point as president. I'm, I'm a kind of a Ronald Reagan fan myself. Uh, um, and to have it in Daytona, July the 4th, the nation's birthday, uh, it, everything was just great. The stars lined up. So good for that. But there's many others. The, the golden goal would certainly be one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's so many. There's a lot. Oh yeah. There's a lot. Sports is great for that. Uh, next question. What moment of your life did you feel most proud? Choose your answer very carefully. Most proud? Pride is a sin, you know. You're not supposed to be proud. 
You're not supposed to be humble. Supposed to be humble. Now there's proud of something I've just done, or there's proud of something that that I've helped do. Mm. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's would I be? You know, I think it would be fair to say that I would be very proud when you <coughs> graduated high school, for instance, or very proud when that you and the team you were on would have won a tournament or, or won a championship in a given year. Mm-hmm. That's probably dad pride right there. There'd be a lot of that. Uh, I've done some things where I've been fairly proud of my work. What's the most, time to time. what's the best thing you've done? Or what's the the piece of work or the th- something you've done in your life that you've been most proud of yourself about? Oh man. Employment wise or just doing things wise? Mm, well, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, I honestly think when I soloed, when I soloed the airplane, oh. uh, I don't know if I've ever felt better about my own life and my, my own ability as the day I soloed the airplane. It's not like jumping in a car and going for a drive. There's so many things leading up to that point of oh, soloing yeah. a plane. Oh. It's like hundreds of hours of, of study of and work and learning. And oh, yeah, and a lot of hours of flying. Yeah. And suddenly the instructor gets out and says... You're on your own, <clears throat> and you apply power, and you take off the runway, and as you're lifting up, you immediately realize that the plane is climbing faster than usual because there's only Le- one person in it yeah. instead of two. And then you look beside you, and the seat's empty, and it hits you. Like, all of my life is now in my own hands, mm. and I can really screw this up. <laughs> it's not hard to screw up. It's not hard to screw up. Now, it was a nice day, but there was a thunderstorm it was legally far away. It's like 20 miles away or mm. 25 miles, which is fine. But by the time I landed again, which was successful, my first solo was very successful. By the time we had the little ramp ceremony and pushed the plane toward the hangar, it was raining. Yeah. So I wow. didn't have a lot, you know, it was coming pretty fast. And then you got to the point where you felt confident enough to take other people with you, mm-hmm. including myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're responsible for other people's lives, that's not right. just your own. So. Yeah, that's right. And it's a... Uh, it's a big deal. Mm. You know, it's a big deal. So, and it had nothing to do with my employment. It actually c- cost me way more money than I made <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> to do that. But to, to get back out, I just remember getting back out and sitting in the car and saying, I just soloed an airplane. Mm. You know, like that's. You were going to swear it right there, weren't you? No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Here's, this might be related actually. What is the most badass thing you've ever done? I don't know. Certainly nothing aviation-wise. Like really? badass to me means risky. Well, you kind of, you landed a plane on the, on the highway, but yeah, that was I intentional. Yeah, but I didn't do it. I was just in it. I was just, I was just one of the poopers. You, you went parachuting once. <clears throat> I did. That's pretty badass. That's right. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. I jumped out of a plane at 3,500 feet yeah. with no person strapped to me. So that was kind of a solo too, because mm. we had a bit of a ground school where the instructor tells you how to steer your chute because we had rectangular right. fillable chutes and uh, you have to f- fly a crosswind leg and a downwind leg and a base leg and then turn final into the wind and, and all of that. And uh, after probably six or eight hours of, of ground training, you, up you go. Did you have a reserve chute? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Is that is that law? Anyone Pro- who jumps problem. out of a plane? I think yeah. so. I think you need to have a, a reserve chute. Even in the military? Uh, I believe so. There's usually one in the front. The reserve chutes are typically packed in the front, mm. and uh, so they're a little awkward when they deploy. Yeah. But yeah, better than dying. So yeah, there, there's one of the part of the training was the cutaway 
and then the pull of the reserve. So right. cutaway is like to basically release yourself from the chute that's tangled. That, which is a critical step. Absolutely, because <laughs> if you pull the reserve chute and it goes up and tangles with yep. your other chute, it doesn't end well after that. Yeah. yeah. And depending on how, or depending on what your elevation is or your altitude, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it has to happen pretty quick. Those yeah. steps have to be pretty back to back. And, and they do. And all of, all of the training was when you jump out of the plane, you look up and you count to a certain number, six or whatever it was, and you make sure you have a good canopy. And if you don't have a good canopy at that moment, you cut away. Yeah, yeah. And I looked up and I had a good canopy. So the rest was easy. Hmm. <laughs> all right. Uh, what is the craziest thing you've ever witnessed in person? Hmm. Man, this is nuts, these questions. Yeah. God. I should have... Uh, Gave you some hints so you could think about it beforehand. But craziest, mm. like people doing crazy things, or just yeah, like someone hitting someone over the head with a beer bottle, or someone like a high speed chase, or anything like that. Anything like like as you were a firefighter for a while, anything. Yeah, I'm sure you saw some crazy th things there. Did see some crazy things there. Most of the stuff we, most of the crazy things we saw were during training. Things we caused ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, lighting something on fire just so you can put it out. Or seeing how deep of a hole you can drill with a two and a half inch hose, poured it into a small brass fitting. Yeah. That almost turns the water pressure into a drill. You can't hold it. Um, but that's, those are just physics, interesting things. Crazy? I don't you ever know. Have you seen any like, accidents or like plain stuff? I have. Like anything at an air show? I didn't see anything that ended poorly at an air show. I've seen some very cool things at an yeah. air show. I don't know if I call them crazy, but the first flight that I'd ever seen of an Airbus A380 back in 2009, I thought that was, at that point, one of the wildest things I'd seen mm. ever because that plane took off at Oshkosh and it, it looked like it was crawling because it's so big. And the e perspective is... Strange. Oh, yeah. Even though it's flying at 130 knots or whatever it is, it yeah. looks like it's just hanging in the air. It's It was... My brain was fighting my <laughs> eyes. You know, this can't be real. Yeah. But uh, most of my cool things in my memory are from aviation, mm -hmm. for sure. But uh, I... I remember being a kid with my dad on Metropolitan Boulevard in Montreal in a freezing rainstorm, and we were just driving along the highway towards downtown Montreal, and this car beside us lost control, and he did a complete 360 and regained control and kept on driving. That's awesome. That was the weirdest <laughs> weirdest thing I'd seen up to that point. Wow. Yeah. I think the craziest thing that I've seen was when I was a kid, there used to be a, we used to call it a machinery shed behind our next door neighbor's house who was a farm so there's lots of tractors and stuff in there mm -hmm. it wasn't a shed it was a giant almost warehouse type building and uh, it had wooden rafters at the top and we were stupid kids we climbed everywhere don't tell me that and uh it was i don't know if you've ever been in it it's high it's like yeah i don't know if i, I, I was know, ever in it i'm sure i was in it but it's like 30 feet in the air mm -hmm. the rafters are 30 feet. like it's high and i remember luke was up there and he fell from the top and landed on the cement. Like he fell like 40 feet and landed on cement. And like that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And he got up and it was totally fine. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I was hit by a car once. Really? I was hit by a car and I went flying. When? Uh, be night, but 1974, uh, back in Montreal, I was a kid. A bunch of us had decided to go out on a Friday night and go for 
a journey. A journey. I was staying at my cousin Glenn's house that night because mm-hmm. uh, my parents were away. And we just decided to go out and hang out with some friends. And we were walking, we walked over to, to Dorval. So from Lachine to Dorval, it was probably a couple of miles. Mm-hmm. And we were in the Dorval trying to cross as pedestrians, the Dorval traffic circle. And a traffic circle is probably familiar to most listeners, but there are little exit ramps and entry ramps and cars are in the circle. And I had crossed a few of those ramps already. There was one more ramp to go and all the cars were sweeping around the circle and not taking the ramp. So everyone ahead of me crossed and I crossed, but at the last minute, one of those cars decided to take the ramp Mm. without a signal light or anything and hit me. Luckily for me, he honked his horn just before he hit me and I jumped. I actually physically jumped in the air. So when he hit me, he caught me in the legs. Like he didn't slam me forward down Mm. into the pavement and run over me. He hit me in the legs and I tumbled back onto the hood. I rolled up off his windshield and over onto the side. Dang. Not a mark on me. I was a little sore, but there was no bruises or cuts. Well, it's not like cars these days. Cars back then were made out of... Yeah, pretty substantial. It, it, like, yeah. The weight of cars back then was unbelievable. Yeah, so. and there wasn't a mark in the car either. Wow. Of course, I wasn't my size now. <laughs> I was probably... A few less cheeseburgers. Yeah, probably 130 pounds soaking mm-hmm. wet. You know, I'd be 14 or 15 years old as a kid. Yeah. But the poor guy, he had just rented this car. He, was, he had just flown in from Jamaica. And it was a rental car. He'd never driven in Montreal before. And you can imagine. Yeah, I'm on. And he was, his his eyes <laughs> were the size of dinner plates when yeah. he got out of that car. He thought he'd killed me. Right. And I said, no, buddy, I'm good, or whatever I called him. You know, no, sir, I'm fine. And, and he was like, are you sure? And and he was probably breathing a sigh of relief because, you know, he'd been in Canada like 27 minutes. Yeah. And he already yeah. killed somebody. <laughs> but uh, I walked away and I never told my parents about that. Hmm. Never told I've never them. heard that story. Uh, yeah. I don't talk about it much. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I never told them because I thought if I did, they would never let me go out and wander mm. again. And it ended well. I'm not going to do that again. And, and uh, so I didn't. But uh, yeah, that was my closest call. On the ground. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. What is the furthest distance you have ever driven in uh, a day? I would say about a thousand miles. Drove from Binghamton, New York to Milwaukee, just north of Milwaukee, Wisconsin in one day. How many times did you stop? Maybe three times and only for fuel and quick uh, bathroom. It wouldn't have been when we went to Florida when I was like, Six? I don't think that would have been the longest. Because when you were six, it was a long day that first day. We we left our little town in New Brunswick and drove all the way to Wilkes-Barre, right, yeah. Scranton, Pennsylvania, was, yeah. Harrisburg area. And that was a long haul, very long haul, probably uh, 10 hours maybe. I remember leaving and it was dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was dark. It was about 4.30 or 5 in the morning. That's about the only thing I remember for that entire trip is that it was dark. <laughs> It was interesting because we had had a fairly recent snowfall, and it doesn't often snow that late in April. This was when it was. It was late April, and uh, the snow had fallen. There was just patchy snow left. But that evening, the sun was still up. We were driving into the sunset. We had just uh, hit really the top end of I-81, at least the Pennsylvania portion of it, and found the hotel that I had called ahead and reserved to. Mm -hmm. It was over 70 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) <laughs> so we left that morning with snow around us yeah. and we went to bed that night in 70 degrees and the sun shining wow. and, it, and the grass was already green. 
It was That's fantastic. Cool. It was really cool. But but the other trip was in 2009. Mm. Drove all the way from Binghamton, almost all the way to Mil- past Milwaukee, and we stayed north of town that night. Hmm. And that was 1,400 kilometers, I think. I think I worked it out. Wow. It's a long haul. The longest I've driven in a day was probably this past summer. Mm. I drove from Fredericton, New Brunswick, to Toronto in, in I don't know how long it was. It was like 14 hours or mm-hmm. 15 hours, something like that. Uh, I stopped once. I drove from Fredericton to Cornwall. It was over nine hours without stopping. That's crazy. And uh, that's probably the longest I've personally driven. The longest I've been in a car for is probably when Jason and I went to Niagara Falls in 2014. And we drove from Niagara Falls around uh, past Toronto and then back to Fredericton. So that's, I think it was like, I feel like it was like 18 hours or something like that. Yeah, it'd be at least 16 without much stop. We stopped, I think twice. I think we stopped twice. Maybe one. No, we stopped twice. Yeah. So that was that was a long day. Mm-hmm. We left at like six a.m. Sunday morning, and I think we got home like two p.m. two a.m. in the morning, like Sunday wow. night or something. Yeah, it was it was nuts. And I was even considering because I had to come back to PEI. I was considering getting in my vehicle and driving to PEI after that. I was like, nah. No, good thing you didn't do yeah. that. <laughs> wow. Um. All right. Where was I here? If you could only have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> so one meal to do me for the rest of my life, or yeah. just I could repeatedly eat that same meal for the rest of my life? Yeah, you had to... Eat the same thing forever. Eat the same thing forever, and like, there's no health consequences. So whatever whatever you want. Be, would it be fast food? Would it be like a Thanksgiving turkey dinner? Would it be a barbecue? Wow. I would probably regret this, but I guess I'll never have the opportunity to find out, but it would be fish and chips from Deluxe French Fries. Oh, yeah. I love fish and chips from Deluxe French Fries, and I could I could easily eat it three times a day. Really? I think I could, yeah. It's good. I don't know if I like it that much, but it's, oh, it's good. Oh, man, it's the best ever. <laughs> when are you going back to Moncton or that area? Uh, I, I'm going back through Moncton and Fredericton on the, about the 17th or 16th of May. I don't know. I am going to Nova Scotia at the end of next month, next end of April, but I'm only going as far as Spring Hill. So I don't go into the deluxe French fries orbit area. Orbit. So in May you're going to the States, right? Yeah. Going to, uh, Ohio. And you're going to be checking the PO box then down there? I am. Interesting. I am. Okay. Uh, What is the grossest thing you've ever eaten? Lizard. Lizard? I've eaten lizard. Like you just fan it on the ground and just... Well, not quite. <laughs> uh, we were on a trip in Mexico back in 1978. We stopped in a town called Cuernavaca. Cuernavaca is, later became kind of, well, I won't say famous, but it was the setting or the scene. Maybe, I guess it was the, the set, <laughs> the on-location set for the movie Zorro the Gay Blade starring, I think it was George Hamilton. Anyway, Cuernavaca, Mexico has all these quaint little sidewalk cafes and us greenhorn Canadians uh, didn't know much about Mm -hmm. the local menu and we certainly couldn't read Espanol. So we had some help from the tour guide and with that we ordered chicken sandwiches. And it was a nice white bread, bit of mayonnaise, chicken, 
little bit of pepper on it probably. It was quite good, very moist, a little yellowy, but tasted fine. Tasted like chicken. And I was didn't really put much mind to it until we get back on the bus and we're on our way for the next part of our journey to the coastline. And uh, our uh, tour guide, Enrique was his name, he got on the microphone at the front of the bus. How many people ordered the chicken sandwich? <laughs> and many of us put our hand up. Yeah. And he said, uh, it was not chicken, it was iguana. And a few people reacted poorly to that news. I didn't. I was just like, it's too late now. I've already eaten it, and it was okay. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's going to crawl up out of my, right. my esophagus. So I was probably weirded out a bit, but I didn't go for, you know, didn't open the window and, and yak. Have a yak. Didn't yeah. have a yak out the bus window. That's probably the grossest thing I've eaten without knowing what I was eating. And I'm a very, very picky eater. The This is coming from a man who eats blood pudding. Yeah, well, that, I was going to touch on that because in my own mind, that was the grossest thing I ate. But if I ever ate blood pudding and someone watched me eat it, they would think that's the grossest yes, thing I ever ate, absolutely. right? absolutely. You probably would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What is the greatest invention of all time? Wow. I'm, I'm going to say radio. That's pretty pivotal yeah. in mankind, actually. And, and radio being the broad definition of radio. Radio is Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Radio is digital satellite transmission. Radio is the ability to talk over great distances. Radio is your cell phone. Change the world. Yeah. Radio is the backbone of almost everything we find dear and without radio, without the ability to communicate without wires from place to place, we would be a vastly different society. Mm. What about the wheel? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as old as I am, I don't remember when the wheel was invented, actually. Do you think that's an invention, though? Um, or like a necessity? Well, I don't know what you mean. Well, I think anybody can could, be, Something can be both. Well, anybody can invent the wheel. It's, you just find a round rock and, oh, there's a wheel. Yeah, but I think I mean, it yeah. probably started with people trying to move big stones to yeah, build the pyramids and they would roll them on logs or right. something and the logs would roll and then they'd take the one that squirted out the back and carry it to the front. And I don't really consider that an invention, though. Well, no, it's it's a repurposing, I guess. I, I don't know how the... There's no patent on the wheel. You can't it's, look it up in the office. Yeah, that's say, true. Uh, Fred Flintstone invented the wheel. <laughs> yeah, what a man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, certainly... There was, uh, I chose radio, but uh, there are many candidates. No, I, I like your choice, actually. Okay. <laughs> I'm not into radio as much as you, but I like it. <laughs> How do you feel about children on leashes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted to say, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to say that. Okay, I love it. This I love is, the idea. This is a very candid podcast. Yeah. Uh, there was a, and I'll just give you an example. Yesterday at the... A PEI Flying Association booth at the local recreation show, we had one visitor who was flying the aircraft simulator. And while he was flying the aircraft simulator, this child came along who was actually probably old enough to know better, probably 10 or 11, and walked right up and started tapping away in the keyboard of the computer that was mm -hmm. behind the simulator. Oh, look! And he just started banging on the keys, knowing 
that it was bad. And his parents were like, oh, Jeremy, or whatever his name was, you know, stop that. Come on back now. And he was just banging away in the keyboard. And at that moment, I would have grabbed the leash on him. <laughs> and he probably, some clothing would be left behind because he would have been ejected from that spot so quickly. <laughs> like a parachute. Yeah. I think there's, uh, well, I, I won't go too far with. I can, with, uh, <laughs> I can feel your anger. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I felt very poor. I felt very badly for the person who was trying to fly the plane. And here we are trying to show someone the magic of aviation. Yeah. This is a lot what it looks like when you're in the cockpit of an airplane. Isn't this cool? And all of a sudden some kid comes up and just starts ruining the whole thing, just crapping on it. But because you, you, don't has, this, you don't, you don't blame the kid. No, I don't. You blame the parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. As far as I know, the kid is, uh, is a little hyper and can't control himself. It's a kid. It's a kid. Uh, probably should know better at that age, and certainly you would never have done such a thing. But, you know, maybe we got lucky. I was so, a good kid. Yeah, you were a pretty good kid. You were a very good kid. Not just pretty good. You were a very good kid. Almost too good. Almost <laughs> suspiciously good. Yeah, until <laughs> now I know you're parachuting out of rafters next door. I didn't know about <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got lots of stories I could tell you. <laughs> um, if you could have dinner with three people, living or dead, who would they be? Good grief. Three people living or dead. Mm -hmm. I think one of them might be Winston Churchill. Really? Uh, He's a pretty crotchety. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, a tremendous leadership ability. Uh, the perfect guy at the perfect time. He was able to gather fantastic people around him to get mm -hmm. missions, things done. He had a long career, mostly of failures in politics and the military. Uh, tremendous man. I, I think I'd like to have, have dinner with him. Do you know the portrait of him where he looks really, really angry? Mm -hmm. Do you know how that was taken? I don't. It's a photographer's story, actually. Oh, let me, very good. Let me Fill me give in. you your fact of the day. So they had a photographer there to take the portrait of Winston Churchill for whatever, and he was smoking a cigar. And the photographer said, I'm going to need you to put that cigar away. And Winston Churchill's like, no way, buddy. I'm not removing the cigar. You don't tell me what to do. I'm Winston Churchill. And he says, sir, I really need you to remove that. I can't be in the picture. And Winston, Winston Churchill said, okay, you're, you're done. You're done. Find another photographer, he said to his assistant or whatever. And the photographer uh, walked up to Winston Churchill, took the cigar out of his mouth, threw it in the corner, went back, and took the picture. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. Churchill was a very interesting guy. I, yeah. I know I've got two more people to, to put on my dinner list here, but one more Churchill anecdote. This cigar was a famous prop that he used. And now I read this. I wasn't around at the time. I was alive when he was alive, but only for five or six years. Mm -hmm. He died in 1965. He would take a thin wire and put it down the length of his cigar before he lit it. And the wire wouldn't come all the way out the end that your mouth is on, but it mm -hmm. would be inside. And that little wire, apparently, was just enough to hold the ash from falling off. So the ash would burn, but stay uh. there. And he'd wave the cigar around when he was talking, knowing that he was hypnotizing people because they were waiting for this ash to go <laughs> flying off the cigar, and it never would because he had this wire, only he knew it. Mm -hmm. He had this wire, and he'd point the cigar, and he'd use it to emphasize things, and people are just following the cigar, just like a cat would follow a laser yeah, pointer. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just one of his props. 
but uh, he's there's so many stories about about him. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, he, he at a dinner party, this woman who didn't like him come up to him and said, "Mr. Churchill, if I was your wife, I'd poison your breakfast." And he said, "Ma'am, if I was your husband, I'd eat it." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, one more. Hit me with it, Mr. Churchill. You're drunk. I am, ma'am, and you're ugly. <laughs> and in the morning, I'll be sober. <laughs> now, I don't know if either one of those is true, but it's a great story. Wow. Now, I still have two people to go. You do have two people to go. Um, there's so many interesting people that have like walked this any earth. Any old scientists like Galileo or Copernicus or... No. Einstein. I think because of my interest in family research and history, I think I would want to sit down with with one of my ancestors. I don't mm -hmm. know exactly which one because we have several interesting ancestors, but maybe Peter Marcellus from New York or uh, maybe uh, Michael Vreeland from New Jersey, people that helped actually found mm -hmm. the Dutch colony that became New York eventually and part of New, New Jersey as well. But I think I'd like to go back and pull them into the present and just ask them some questions about what was life life was like back then. Right. And after that, I don't know, I, I guess there's all kinds of uh, interesting candidates for that. Richard Petty? Um, well, I've already spoken with Richard That's Petty. That's true. You I haven't had yeah. dinner with him, but I have I have met yeah. the man, spoken to him. Had a laugh. Had a laugh. Had, had a yak. Had a yak, yeah. He uh, told me how to fix a camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just take it there and bait on it and bring it on back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyone, I like you. you don't have to name a, thir a third person if you I, can't think of any. But. I, I, it would just be a, a gratuitous third mm. person. I would, I would, okay, I'll pick Jesus. Jesus, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the worst thing you did as a kid? The worst thing I did as a kid was, uh, we, when I grew up in a, in a very, uh, I would say, I won't say very low income, but a, in a low income neighborhood the first 11 years of my life we had uh, four of us my mother my father my brother and me in a one-bedroom apartment and my brother and I had the bedroom we each had uh, those mates beds on either side of the bedroom my mother and father actually put their bed in what was supposed to be the dining room mm -hmm. and there was a curtain between the dining room and the living room and that was their bedroom door basically it probably explains why there's only my brother and me <laughs> <laughs> but anyway I remember when we fin dad finally did well enough. He got a promotion, and then he got a new job with another company, and he started doing better, and we could afford a house. And when we bought the house, we moved there in April of 1971. And I remember a couple of weeks after that, we came back to my old neighborhood, and I remember saying out loud how run down it looked. You know, I'm only 11. Mm -hmm. I'm just a kid. I, I don't have any brain about this. But I always felt so bad about so how quickly I turned my back on my life that I had had up to that point. Uh, all of a sudden, because I'm living in a house, I thought, you know, for a brief period of time, I think I thought it was better mm -hmm. than, than the people that I'd left behind. And I obviously wasn't, but I thought I was because I was 11. I thought I'd done something. I, I didn't do anything. I just happened <laughs> to have, lucky enough to have a dad who did something. Right? Yeah. So I, I still feel bad about that. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, that's part of my apology tour. I would go on. I guess. Oh yeah, you mentioned that last time. <laughs> yeah, it's always important to uh, appreciate where you've come from. Mm -hmm. I really, really appreciate it now, more so than ever. I learned so much in those first eleven years. 
except how to be a good person, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite artist? And I'm assuming this is musical. I didn't specify because I know you don't have any favorite famous uh, or favorite uh, visual artist, like a painter or anything like that. So. No, I think my favorite artist of visual arts though would be Ken Burns. He makes movies for PBS documentaries mostly, mm -hmm. Civil War, yeah, know, things like I know, that. I know his name. Ken Burns is amazing. There's and a thing called a Ken Burns effect. Oh, tell me that. Tell me about that. It's just it's. Remember the whole thing of it, so I can't really explain it. But if you want to know what it is, just go Google Ken Burns effect. Go I'm going to find it. It's about editing. And <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, as far as movies, or sorry, movies, <laughs> uh, music. I'm not sure. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, but that's a group, not an artist. Well, pff, same thing. Well, I'm thinking of an individual. An individual. An individual musical genius. Linus Morissette. <laughs> I don't believe so. Ah, oh, man. I'm a big, big fan of Neil Young. I'm a big fan of James Taylor. I'm a big fan of Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, well, there's all kinds of male and female artists out there. Some of them do write their own songs. I, I would, it would have to be somebody who wrote their own music. Oh, really? Yeah. It wouldn't be someone who just was a good singer. What about Johnny Cash? He'd be way up there. Bob. Even his last album when he's oh, on yeah. death's door. I think that was his best one. Powerful stuff. Amazing. What about Bob Dylan? Um, Bob Dylan was a great poet. Kind of didn't do well on the singing side. Yeah. <laughs> he was a mumbler. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say the same thing about Leonard Cohen. People go gaga over Leonard Cohen, uh, who's a famous writer and poet. and But he didn't really sing. He... He spoke right. his, his songs. I find myself drawn to them, but I find myself drawn to them in the way I'd find myself drawn to a train wreck or something. You know? <laughs> like it, it's something I can't wow. tear away from because I'm trying to figure out how, how people can really like this so much. Wow. And okay. I'm, but that there I am sitting listening to it myself, so what do I know? Hmm. Yeah, that's odd. What's his most favorite, famous song? Um, uh, Probably Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and of course, it was made mostly famous by, uh, oh dear, you know, Katie Lang, Yeah, I'm trying to say. But a lot of other people did great things with his songs, and but he mm -hmm. did some of his own songs. I really like the Tower of Song. I never uh, heard that. You should listen to the Tower of Song. It's, uh, it's different, but it's something you'd want to listen to when you're eating a smoked meat sandwich. Okay. From Montreal, because it's a Montreal. Oh, okay. It's uh, I I feel Montreal when I hear that song. So, hmm. yeah. Um, would you rather be a world famous athlete or a world famous actor? Who? I think I'd rather be I I'd be okay with either one, but if I had to be one, it'd be actor because an act a world famous actor like Christopher Plummer, for instance. Mm -hmm. You can be doing that, and you're in your well into your 80s. Yeah, I agree. A world famous athlete, you have that 10 or 15 year window of mm -hmm. performance, and then you're done. So I'd say actor. Yep, I agree. I agree with cool. That. Um, Another question gets crossed off. Would you rather continue to live in PEI or move back to Montreal if money wasn't an option or an issue? An issue sorry. If money wasn't an issue, I could probably afford to visit Montreal whenever I wanted. But uh, so 
money off the table. Mm-hmm. I think I would want to stay in PEI now. You love it, eh? I totally love yeah. it. If you'd asked me this 10, well, let's say 12 or 13 years ago before I moved here, I would, in fact, I even looked at apartments in Montreal just to see what they'd cost if I ever had enough money to mm-hmm. afford one so I could be up there a lot. There's so much to be said about every big city. Life is so much easier in so many ways. The ability to get yourself from place to place with public transit is incredible. Yeah, The subways and all that. And I could just picture myself living in a condo downtown in Montreal where I just go down into the the underbelly of the city and walk on mm-hmm. with my monthly pass and go anywhere I want. Get some bagels. And oh man, that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, but overall, quality of life, uh, the happiness I have with my life right now, I wouldn't change this. What about New York City? New York City would be even better. <laughs> <laughs> New York City would be incredible. It would be, um, yeah. it would be incredible. I'd like to live, I think, in the you know, down in the financial district. Near uh, Battery Park? Yeah, yeah, I think that's where I'd like to be. Uh, Battery Park City would be okay, but even Battery Park itself, uh, just somewhere in the old part of town, uh, there's good connections there. You're just across from Brooklyn. Um, that would be my favorite place, but then again, I've seen some spots in Central Park West that I could be talked into. I think Central Park would have to be my yeah my choice. Probably, mm, yeah, probably on the west side, maybe up near the uh, museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, near the yeah. Dakota. Yeah, near the, yeah, near yeah. the Dakota. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Dakota is a fantastic that, property. That, that stretch, oh yeah, right along it's there is gorgeous, is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Do you like licorice? I like red licorice. I can tolerate grape licorice, not a flan, not a fan not of a black, flan. not a flan of back licorice. Um, but I can, you know, the licorice all sorts. No, it's little candies that are layered, like you get orange and black, and, or, and then orange and white, like little candies. Nope. Okay, British listeners would probably know <laughs> what I'm talking about, but. It's licorice mixed in with regular chewy type candy. Mm-hmm. Y- you'd know them if you saw them. Anyway, uh, I, I can eat those quite easily. In fact, a little too easily. But uh, black licorice, not my favorite. Do you like Twizzlers? Yes. Do you like nibs? Okay. Not as much because part of the fun of Twizzlers is the, the chewing and the pulling and all that. Nibs are just, the, the, someone's, the machine's already chewed it for you. So. I, see, I, like the, I like nibs, but I'm not a big fan of Twizzlers. Really? Yeah, I mean, I'll eat them, but... Um, what's the f- uh, favorite vehicle you have ever owned and why? Hmm. You can't be on your phone during a podcast. Come on now. I'm trying to show you a picture of licorice all sorts. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were talking to all your peeps. No. All your fans. No. Now my phone, of course, it's made in 1947. Yeah. So. You need, please. Yeah. You need a new phone. We need to start a GoFundMe for your new phone. Uh, okay, yeah, I've seen those. Before. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, won't, won't mean much mm-hmm. to the to the viewers at home, but looks like a bulk burn. Yeah, item. like a bulk burn type item. There's Do that, is that a Canadian thing or is that? I think it probably more began in Britain. I don't think it's be what? much in the states, but no, I mean like bulk burn. Oh, bulk burn. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure they have. If they don't have bulk burn, they have something. They'd have something like, like it. And like in Fredericton, they had a thing called scoop and save, scoop and save, which yeah. was similar to a bulk burn, I guess. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to your question. Right. Uh, which was? <laughs> Come on, you weren't listening? <laughs> I was. Uh, I got distracted. Yeah. What's the f- the most favorite ve- vehicle you've ever owned? Oh, right. I think my first Camry. That thing was a beast. That was It was an incredible car. 
1992 Camry. 1992, I put 407,000 kilometers on it, and that would be over 30, 300,000 miles. And there's nothing wrong with it when you... Well, not quite over. It would be 250,000 miles, let's say. And there was, wasn't a thing wrong with it when they Original it back brakes? Original back brakes, only one set of front brakes, I think. I had the original front struts. Yeah. Original exhaust, because almost all of the driving was hot engine, long-distance driving. Yep. And the only reason we get rid of it was because it wasn't big enough for your bigger, ever-growing hockey bag. <laughs> really, that was it. Yeah, and uh, I think we, we had a tent trailer at the time. We had a tent trailer, which I was easily able to pull with the camera. Right. Yeah, and then we switched to that caravan, which uh, we also pulled the tent trailer. Dodge Caravan mm -hmm. with no no uh, shaded windows. Yeah. Like a van that you could just see through. Yeah, it was great. It was purple, too. <laughs> And then we went to a, 90, a 2001 Plymouth Grand Voyager, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And then a 1997 Chevy Tahoe. Yeah. That was probably my favorite vehicle that you guys yeah. owned. Yeah, yeah. You really liked the Tahoe. It was incredible. And your mother That's loved it. That's why I have a truck now. I didn't, reasons. I didn't feel like it contacted the road well enough for me. It's almost like it didn't have bald tires, but it felt like it had bald tires. I'd live in it. That's how much I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had... Uh, 2003 or four, I think it was three, uh, Hyundai Santa Fe, mm -hmm. which was a really great vehicle, but so unreliable in the last five years, it was deadly. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, that's before Hyundai, it, that was made before Hyundai became the Hyundai that we know today, which is a much higher quality manufacturer, I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I haven't owned one since. for another time. Yeah. <laughs> But I know people who are very fond of their Hyundais that they've bought recently. So. Oh, I've had a recent Hyundai, and I'm not very fond of it. No, that's right. I get rid of it. Um, but you didn't. We didn't talk about the cars I had before. The, well, the that's Camry. that's what I'm going to get to after I get okay. done this. So then you went to uh, a 2010 Toyota Camry, mm -hmm. which was nice. Yeah. And then you went to a 2014 uh, Toyota. Corolla. Corolla, which we still have. You still have. And I love it. You love it. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so going back to um, not what your parents had or anything like that. So after high school, your first car would have been, would it, wouldn't have been the Lada, would it? Nope. After high school, my first car. That creepy van? No. It was a 1973 Chevy Vega station wagon. Oh, dang. It was. You had a station wagon? I had a little station wagon. Was it a, did it have wood paneling on the side? Yeah. Was, was it a Roadmaster? <laughs> it wasn't big like that, but it had like MacTac sticky That's stuff. amazing. That's amazing. And it, it was blue with the wood paneling. Uh, That's incredible. Do you have pictures of it? Probably somewhere. Amazing. Yeah. It, it was fantastic. It was an, an aluminum block engine, which was a bit experimental at the time. Mm-hmm. The oil pan sat so low to the ground in the front that every time you hit a bump and, and you bottomed out, you, you wrecked your oil pan. And it was made of aluminum, so you couldn't weld it. So oh, it, was, yeah. it was just a, it was an awful thing to look after. <laughs> it, was, it was, and the, the, the low coolant light was always going. Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm but, assuming the aluminum was a weight decision. Yeah, yeah, weight and efficiency yeah. and all that. It, it got me from place to place, but uh, it was. So after that? After that, I had a 1975 Chevy Biscayne, which was a big four-door, big car. I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, you wouldn't, uh, 
wouldn't have certainly remembered it. It was gone before you yeah, showed up. Yeah. And I traded it in on a 1980 Lada. Oh, yeah. That, you remember the Lada? The orange, orange beast. Yeah. And after the Lada, it uh, it died. And you had got an Oldsmobile? Uh, oh, but, well, the Oldsmobile's oh, coming. Cadillac. Well, the Cadillac was kind of a second vehicle. When my grandfather passed away in 1990, he left me his Cadillac. A big old 1973 Cadillac. You started off and you DeVille. smelled the fumes. And yeah, it was huge. It had, a, I think, a 500cc engine in it, or mm. inch, cubic inch engine. Uh, it was massive, massive, and heavy, and very luxurious. But it was, when I got it, it was already, what, 17 years old. Yeah. So it was getting on, and it was very expensive to fuel, mm -hmm. very expensive to maintain. That Cadillac is on his headstone. In, at the right. graveyard. Right. Yeah. But after the uh, the Biscayne and the Alada, I ended up with a Dodge K-Car. Oh, you had a K-Car? We had a K-Car. We had a, a, a an Aries, a Plymouth Aries K-Car, maroon in color. Epic. And uh, it went for, best just I just had it for maybe a couple of years, mm -hmm. into the, uh, that was in the mid-80s, probably 85, 86, 87. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, when my dad passed away in 1988, I ended up with his Oldsmobile Delta 88. Uh, but prior to that, I had an, an Oldsmobile that, in fact, when your mother went into labor to have you, we uh, drove her to the hospital in my previous Oldsmobile. Is that the one with the powered seats? Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I remember from that car. Yeah. It had powered seats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that leads back up to that back where up we to started. The, the first Camry. Yeah. Yeah. So that Kind of, it's kind of a segue into the next question. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite vehicle that you've never owned? Oh, wow. Because I know you like Jeep Wranglers. You like the idea of a Jeep Wrangler. Mm -hmm. I don't think you'd, after you, after you drove one, I don't think you'd no, ever buy one. No, I don't think I'd like one. Uh, for various reasons, I've been... Do I have ink on my face? Not that I can see. <laughs> okay, good. This pen is leaking. If you do, it's beige. <laughs> um... I really like the Subaru Crosstrek. Yeah, we've been looking at that recently. Mm. Yeah. I really like the FJ Cruiser that Toyota used to make. Yeah, I like that a lot too, actually. I really like that. And I like a Hummer. You yeah. like a Hummer. Yeah. No, not necessarily the full-size military version, but I think they made a slightly smaller street. No, they, they don't for consumer purchase anymore. No, okay. Uh, I like that idea, mainly because I could mount a lot of radios in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really... But what as far as going on a trip, like having a vehicle that would, I'd like to take on a road trip and yeah. it would do my thing, probably a cross track or something like that would be great. No, like fancy sports cars or? No. No. Ferrari or Italia? No. Nothing. Although there was one fabulous, two fabulous looking vehicles at the home show yesterday. They were made by a snowmobile company. I don't know if it's Polaris or who it is. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The slingshot. Yeah. That was Three a, wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Two in the front, one in the back. Yeah. And But it, you sit in it like a car. Yeah, it's cool. Yes. It's really cool. The, the one, the black one was 36000 and the red one was 32000 It's not a vehicle, it's a toy, it, basically. It's a total toy. Yeah. You you wouldn't even use it to get your groceries. No. <laughs> it's less efficient than a yeah. than a bike. But no sports car for me. I think overall, um, if I had like a 300 series BMW, I'd be happy with yeah, that. Yeah, you like BMWs. Yeah, just, and, but just a very nondescript one. Like a 300 series from a distance, a 325i, it looks like a Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be flashy, so that's, that's me. Um, have you ever been in a car accident or a near miss? Yes. 
I've been in a car accident and I've been in a near miss. The car accident, I was the right side passenger in the back seat in Millerton, New Brunswick. On the way up, I was in high school, grade 12. Uh, we were coming up from a curling bonspiel in Newcastle. I was just there to watch. Wait, my, what, my what did you say? Bonspiel? Bonspiel. What the hell is that? It's a it's a curling tournament. It, uh, it's That's what they call it? Or is that just like a, slant, like a shindig? <laughs> no, it's, it's a curling word, bonspiel. Okay. Now, I don't know what it means. It's obviously Nordic, okay. I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a bonspiel. And we were coming back on a Saturday afternoon, and the car that we were in was driven by the mother of one of the girls on the curling team. And my then-girlfriend uh, was be- beside me in the middle of the back seat, and her cousin, I guess, was beside her. And as we came around a corner, um, Mrs. Weaver, who was driving the car, lost control, and the car with my side of the car turned sideways onto incoming traffic, and we got T-boned. Whoa. Yeah. The uh, gal in the front broke her hip wasn't a scratch on me. Really? Yeah. I, I grabbed my girlfriend and kind of sh- tried to shield her. What a legend. I'm, I'm tremendous. <laughs> I, I didn't get the Order of Canada. I'm very no. disappointed. Yeah. But, uh, and yeah, there wasn't, and just by a few inches farther, you know, into the oncoming lane or, or not would have changed wow. history there for me. But uh, she broke her hip, made a full recovery. So the impact was uh, pretty, obviously pretty substantial. Mm. Yeah. And in your miss? Near Miss, Fredericton, 1982, I was in my Lada, I think it was, and I was at a stop sign. I was about four cars back in a stop sign, and there was icy roads again. The car ahead of me had gone ahead because the stop sign, people were leaving, Mm -hmm. and there was a gap in front of me. Just as someone was turning into the same intersection from my left, they got hit an icy patch and they scooted straight across the intersection into where I would have been if I'd followed the car ahead of me. But I was a little bit late getting going. It was a standard shift and I probably wasn't paying full attention. Mm. And I thought he was going to hit the front of my car. He went straight across in front of me and hit the guardrail and bounced off it. And I tensed up waiting for the impact so much that I had to go to the doctor and get muscle relaxants for my back. I, my back was basically seized for like two weeks. Wow. I was in terrible shape. My, from my neck right down to the uh, tailbone, let's say, shall we say. I was I was just like Jeez. frozen up. Interesting. Terrible. And, and I didn't hit my car. So that was weird because not that I would have put in an insurance claim. That, that isn't me, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, where did where did you get hit, sir? Well, actually, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my mind did it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few other uh, accidents. I'm sure, just you know, little benders here and there. But that was it. I've never been in an accident. Good for you. Keep it that way. I have a perfect driving record. Um, however, I did have a near miss once, mm-hmm. and uh, I was, there's two ramps when you come on to the bridge in Fredericton, going to the north side. Mm-hmm. One of them, you continue in your own lane, and the other one. You have to merge on. I was in the one where you had to merge on, which eventually meets the other one that has their own lane. But I thought I was in the other one, so, and I went to go pass. Oh. So I actually crossed like the yellow line. It was like raining and stuff. I couldn't on, see it. Oncoming. Into oncoming traffic in the middle of rush hour on a Saturday. And by the time I get out, there was a car like three car lengths up that I saw, and so I was able to put like jerk back. And but if I had have had if I had made that decision a half a second after. I did it. I went head on collision. It was probably the most scary moment of my life. And there's wow. three people with me in the vehicle. Wow. I've ne- like I've never even come close to an accident other than that. Hmm. 
it was just a stupid i don't know like i just i thought i was in the other yeah. I, I thought i came up the other ramp we were talking in the vehicle or something like that I just got distracted sure shows you how fast that can happen yeah it's crazy wow um how were you in school growing up and what did you study in university well interesting i was uh quite good in school i wasn't at the top of the class by any stretch but i was quite good i was usually you know maybe in the class of 30, I was probably fourth or fifth in line of when it came to marks, mm. likely every year. So I did well. My favorite subject would have to be history. I really liked history a lot. Uh, we didn't have geography as a separate subject, but that would have been my favorite if we'd had a separate geography class. What do you think my favorite subject was? Social studies? Not lunch. <laughs> <laughs> lunch was always my favorite. <laughs> In university, I studied, I uh, did a double major in political science and economics. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I have some more questions here for you. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, sorry, I, I guess I'll answer the last that. I took graphic design and photography. In, oh, right, that's for you uh, too. Post-secondary education. Uh, I'm, I have more questions here, but we're over an hour, so I'm going to oh, no. leave these for next time. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll leave these for next time. All and, uh, So, guys, thank you very much for uh, listening or watching. Please leave your questions for the next Have an AAC podcast in the uh, comment section below on the YouTube video on more post to post here. And we'll be doing that in two weeks' time. In two weeks' time, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll go through all the comments and write down your questions. And uh, I have one, two, three, four, five, six questions that I didn't get to answer this time. Anything I need to do time. research on first? Um, <laughs> no. Okay. I don't think so. And we'll be in these same seats next week talking hockey. Exactly. Post -post yeah, we'll be back uh, talking lots of hockey. Uh, I really think the biweekly change is a positive thing hockey-wise oh. just because yeah. we're running out of stuff to talk about. Like this, yesterday we filmed a lot of videos for Post to Post. We talked a lot of hockey. Mm -hmm. If we had to film a podcast today for an hour, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, there's not, there's not much to talk about. So uh, I, th I really think the ac accumulation of news over two weeks to talk about in the, mm -hmm. in the podcast is... It's the not right that decision. there's not a lot going on in the hockey world, but there's not a lot going on that we haven't already covered in some other way. If we were just doing the hockey podcast, mm -hmm. that was the only thing I did, mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. But when I'm making 10 videos a week and talking about other stuff, mm, yeah. Yeah, it gets a little dry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so thanks guys for, for watching uh, on, on YouTube. If you are, if you could like this video, hitting the like button like button below that'd be awesome leave a comment tell me what you thought of it positively or negatively uh please subscribe if you're new we're trying to grow this channel as well if you're listening on itunes or google play or anything like that and you don't you don't do the whole visual thing that's that's totally fine too i think that's how probably most people even the people who watch on watch in quotations on youtube aren't really watching they're probably just listening doing other stuff maybe yeah they just minimize it while yeah. they go back to solitaire whatever they're doing <laughs> solitaire yeah get some free selling <laughs> uh yeah so uh, anyways appreciate you guys love you guys thanks for all the support and thanks uh, for your questions it's a lot yes of fun. thanks for your questions real stumpers yeah definitely so keep, keep them coming uh it doesn't they can be softball questions or they can be deep crazy life advice questions whatever you whatever you got hit, hit us with it remember nothing yeah. i say is official and i, I don't want to say there's no boundaries but there's obviously boundaries don't, don't be don't be too vulgar. But yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thanks guys. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week uh, so we can talk some hockey. Adios.